0: like I mentioned with the older two I was like patting myself on the back and thinking I am such a great teacher which was completely prideful at the time. <laughs> because I made their success some I mean something about me I was really mm-hmm. attaching their results with who I was and so when she came along and wasn't having good results I took a major hit as this identity that I had given myself that I am so great and here I was that I started questioning, like, if I were a better teacher, if I were a better mother, if I were more patient, if I were, you know, all of those thoughts that we have, then she would read, then she would be progressing, then I would, you know, I would be good.
1: Welcome to Stories of Hope in Hard Times, the show that explores how people endure and even thrive in difficult times. All with God's help. I'm your host, Tamara K. Anderson. Join me on a journey to find inspiring stories of hope and wisdom learned in life's hardest moments. My guest today is the mother to four amazing children and has been married for over 18 years. She has been homeschooling for over 12 years and loves being able to do that. She is a voracious reader and has an ongoing goal of reading 100 books each year. She loves learning and teaching. She is a teacher at heart, either at home, in church, in music, and in her career as a life coach and finds it a blessing to be able to uplift and help others end their suffering. I am pleased to present Hannah Coles. Hannah, are you ready to share your story of hope?
0: I am ready. Awesome.
1: Let's do it. You're right. Before we dive in too deep, I just have to ask you about your goal of reading 100 books every year. I mean, that sounds astronomical. So why don't you tell me where you came up with that idea and maybe tell me one of your favorite books that you've read.
0: I would love to. So it's not really my idea. I can't own that. I (laughs) I heard an interview and I can't remember who the author was, but it was a really famous author. And he said that for him to get ideas and and just where his ideas come from is that he sets a goal to read a hundred books a year. And it wasn't really anything deep at the time. I just thought, that sounds kind of fun. I want to try that. And so for the last eight years, I have made that my goal. Sometimes in December, I get a lot of reading time. Because <laughs> I want to try and catch up and make sure I hit my goal. But I've been doing it for about eight years, and it has just profoundly blessed my life. It, it stretches me and gives me kind of a measurable goal to, to make sure that I, I stay accountable and that I keep reading. I do love reading all kinds of things, uplifting, things. I read a lot of um, nonfiction and fiction alike. The only thing I, I tend to steer away from is, is anything dark or scary. That's not really my scene, but, but yeah, I, try, I, I read a lot. I love reading.
1: That's awesome. Favorite book? Or I, I'm sure it's hard to pick it down just to one book. So one of your favorite books. How about that?
0: That is really hard. So I'm going to have to go with a book, Wonder, Now Wonder, it's actually a middle grade book, but it just absolutely touched my heart and I cried the good cry several (laughs) times in that book. I also really liked what made me pick up the book in the first place is on NPR, the NPR, the um, radio station, they were interviewing the author and what piqued my interest was she wrote the book off of an experience she had with her daughter. She Mm. took her daughter, I think it was her daughter, her child, to like an ice cream shop. And at this ice cream shop, there was a boy that had severe deformities. And her daughter started asking questions and noticing that this child looked different than everyone else. And the mother just went beat red and didn't know what to do. And so she thought she was being polite and raced her child out of there so she wasn't drawing attention to this child.
1: Mm-hmm. But as she
0: was reflecting afterwards, she realized that she just taught her daughter that when you see people that are different than you, then you pick up your stuff and you run. Mm. And so she didn't want to leave that impression on her daughter and in the world because we don't know what to say. And so we think the answer is to run. We think that's being polite when really on the opposite spectrum, they just want to be included. And, and so it, so she said, if I could do it over again, mm. I would have walked up there and introduced myself and inter- introduced my daughter and, and just had a normal conversation so the book wonder is is a fictional tale about a young boy August who has severe deformities and he's homeschooled up until middle school and in middle school they they put him in the public school arena and it's just his experiences where you know there are some kids that that make fun of him and he's got to go through that but then there's other kids that just genuinely love him and and they are able to form these really deep connections and friendships it's just a beautiful book I highly recommend it for anybody I loved it
1: Oh, that's fantastic. Thank you. I think they just made a movie out of it, didn't they? They did.
0: Julia Roberts, Owen Wilson. Yeah. It's a really great movie, but you know, the book's always better. So read that
1: Always, <laughs> always, always. I totally agree with that. <laughs> well, thanks for sharing that. And what an amazing goal. I probably could read a lot, a hundred fun books every year. In fact, I'm sure I probably do, but it's, I struggle more with the, um, books that probably give me more education. <laughs> I'd rather read for fun any day, any day, any day, but I do I do read and listen to other books. <laughs> so let's dive in a little bit to you and your amazing life and experiences. Um I thought I'd ask you a little bit about your daughter who had dyslexia. And if you would mind telling us a little bit of her story and your story along with that.
0: Yeah, of course. So I'm going to give you a little bit of a background with that. My daughter that has dyslexia, she's the third child. And so in my my four kids it goes girl boy girl boy so my when my daughter was born my oldest of course she had one-on-one attention and so she was reading really early and everything was fine and normal and and advanced and then my son my second he started reading when he was three like reading reading um he finished all the harry potter books by the time he was six years old
1: oh my and
0: so (gasps) i thinking that this is normal. <laughs> like, this is just how it is. I'm giving myself a pat on the back, that I'm this amazing teacher and mother and homeschooler. And then my sweet daughter comes around. And so at age three, I'm like, whoa, we're behind because we're not reading. So I started her really early, you know, learning phonetics and doing all of those things that I did with my other children. And then age four, and then age five, six, seven, eight, and we're still really struggling to even read, you know, at our first grade level. And mm-hmm. it was to read, I I remember just really wanting to pull my hair out. And I was thinking, you know, what is wrong? This can't be right. And is she just being lazy? Is she not trying? What's happening here? Am I, you know, it just took a major hit to me as a as a mother, as a homeschooler, all that those things I thought about myself were clearly no longer true because if they were, then this child would be succeeding. And so I kind of had, I didn't know a lot about dyslexia at the time. The only thing I knew was like the letter reversals, the B's and the D's, because that's mm-hmm. what I had heard. And she clearly had those, but I would be helping her read a paragraph and in the same word would come up like 10 different times in that paragraph. And every single time she would have to stop and she would really struggle and it was, it was a really painstaking process to get through reading. Yeah. And so we, we asked the school if they could, you know, help us out. And the school's like, no, 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 we don't, we don't do that. You need to go to your doctor. So we would go to our doctor who said, we don't test that. That has to go through your school. and we Oh, no. <sighs> for years, we were back and forth, back and forth. And then we moved uh, our family. And just absolutely by divine design, I'm certain of it within the first week that we moved there, we met a family who their son also has dyslexia. And she said, you need to go here. This is the ophthalmologist. He will test her. You'll find out. And it turns out that she has several different forms of dyslexia and just getting that awareness and that knowledge. And for her also to realize that nothing's wrong with her, right? wrong with me, you know, that we could, we could start to pinpoint what was really the problem and to be able to help her through that journey.
1: Wow. So you mentioned that there's different kinds of dyslexia. I was not aware of that. Would you mind telling me a little bit about that?
0: So I don't know all the forms. <laughs> I do know that they stem off of like six major forms where there's, um, you know, um, phonological, there's they call it surface dyslexia, which just takes a little bit of time decoding, you know, words. Um, There's visual where they have a hard time remembering what they read or what they saw on a page. So, so they might struggle with the reading, but then they can't retain anything. That's a different form of dyslexia. There's um, primary dyslexia where it's, it's genetic and you're just kind of born with it, which she also had because I, and I didn't know (laughs) until we went through this process that we have dyslexia on both sides of the family like it just wasn't talked about huh. ever
1: wow um,
0: and then of course there's dyslexia where it's it's mathematical so like numbers start floating around on the page so with her there's a lot of fancy names and terms which i will completely butcher so i'm not even going <laughs> to i won't even attempt to tell you those um but with her it was really interesting because She she wasn't able to follow the lines like the lines would move around the page and so she would constantly be losing her place and then even the words themselves half of the word would be missing a lot of the time so sometimes it was the beginning of the word that was missing so she would just read the latter half of the word Hmm. and when we were helping her we're like no that like what letter does that start with and she would see you know she would say J and I would say no that's a B because I was confused but it made perfect sense when the doctor was walking us through this that that is the first letter for her. That is what she's seen, And even though it's the same word 10 times in the paragraph to her 10 times, it's a different word because it looks completely different every single time that she was coming across it.
1: Wow. So tell me what the process looked like once she was diagnosed. What did you need to do? What did she need to do? What was What did that look like?
0: So it was really fascinating for me to learn because we did see an ophthalmologist and I would have never put it together that we needed to go see an eye doctor (laughs) Mm -hmm. to do that. Like I I didn't know, I guess where the learning um, struggle or the challenge was, but she wasn't struggling in any other area of her life. It really was just reading and kind of comprehending what she was reading. But but absolutely fine in other areas. And so he was just saying that her eyes weren't quite matched up, that it really was a vision problem because nothing's wrong with her brain. It was just that her eyes weren't functioning the way that they should. And so that looked like vision therapy. That looked like getting special glasses. That looked like a lot of testing to figure out what it was that she needed. And then every single day we would have 40 minutes of eye therapy at home. And then once a week with the doctor, so we would do 20 minutes in the morning and then 20 minutes later on in the evening with different eye exercises to kind of align her eyes. And then through that process, the more her eyes did change and start to come together, that meant different glasses. And the glasses she didn't need to see it was only when she was decoding words. Hmm. Um, And so she didn't need her glasses to, you know, play sports or to be at home or anything like that. She only needed them for screen time and for reading where she really needed to narrow in and focus on what those words and letters were saying.
1: Wow. So how is she doing now?
0: amazing. She still struggles. She's, she still, she has an IP, even though we homeschool, we go through a charter school. So we still have a lot of those resources and and meetings, (laughs) which Mm -hmm. is really good still. Um, but she, once we got her diagnosed and once it helped me to understand what she was struggling with, I became a different parent and a different teacher when I was helping her. And so it left, you know, even though she never vocalized it, or maybe she didn't even know quite what she was thinking and what she was experiencing. When we had that diagnosis, she was finally able to let that weight off her shoulders and think, okay, nothing's wrong with me. There is just something just like we would with any ailment. We, we have a a circumstance and now what are we going to do with it? And so with the eye therapy, with the confidence that she was able to gain through having these different thoughts and knowing this portion of her identity, you know, um, or where she was at at that time, she's reading amazing. And she would volunteer to read like at church. They would, they would ask, you know, who wants to read the scripture and her hand would, you know, fly up in the air, which before she would have never done that because she thought that, you know, something was wrong or different with her.
1: Wow. So complete, change once, once she got the proper diagnosis, once she got the proper help. So it is possible to progress and learn and grow even with something like dyslexia.
0: So what we heard, and I don't, our our doctor told us this amount, our information, I should say, because we did get her diagnosed. um, We finally got her diagnosed when she was about eight Mm -hmm. and she's 10 now. So we've been working on it for two years. He said that if it's before the age 11 or 12, that it can actually be completely reversed, which was really really for us. So I do know that people struggle with it through their whole life. But if it is a vision problem, depending, I guess, on what kind of dyslexia you have, that with modern medicine, thank goodness, and these tools and exercises that you can do, you can actually retrain your eyes to work the way that you want them to. So that was really, and we've seen the um, results of that, that she's doing amazing.
1: Wow. That is incredible to know. Yeah. My son had a similar issue. My oldest, when, when he was younger, he struggled reading and we went through a similar process. So a lot of this sounds very, very familiar to me. So tell me as a mom how you were feeling. You mentioned that you kind of had to revamp how you thought about yourself as a mother and a teacher uh, when she didn't pick up on reading as quickly as your other oldest two did. What, What was going on inside of you during all of this?
0: Well, like I mentioned with the older two, I was like patting myself on the back and thinking I am such a great teacher, which was completely prideful at the time <laughs> because I made their success some I mean something about me. I was really mm. attaching their results with who I was. And so when she came along and wasn't having good results, I took a major hit as this identity that I had given myself that I am so great. And here I was that... I started questioning, like, if I were a better teacher, if I were a better mother, if I were more patient, if I were, you know, all of those thoughts that we have, then she would read, then she would be progressing, then I would, you know, I would be good. Um, and so I really did, I made it about me and that was really difficult that I had to separate her and her journey from me because they really had nothing to do with each other. Like I was making it myself, I put my identity in my kids, which mm. is really difficult because our kids have their own agency. Like we can be the best teacher in the world and they can still choose not to learn. They can mm. still choose not to enjoy it. They can still choose not to listen. And so it really was a growth, um, movement or, or moment for both of us, a journey separating her journey and what she's going through versus me. And I had to redefine what made me a successful mother because before success meant what my kids would produce their results. Mm -hmm. If they were a good reader, if they did well in school, if they were well behaved, if they were kind, then clearly that meant that I was a good mother. And it, I learned the hard way Mm -hmm. (laughs) that we really have to separate that, that I'm a successful mother because I love my children wholeheartedly because mm. I'm there to look out for them, to provide for them, to protect them, to offer that teaching, to, to do that. And then I'm a good mother because I let them have their agency and let them choose while constantly loving, guiding them back to what I think will help them, but, but ultimately separating that.
1: Mm. That is so wise. And I think it's a common problem in today's society. Um, You know, we see, we see the bumper stickers on a lot of cars, you know, my child's an honor student, (laughs) you know, at such and such and such. And really that is their success and their choices. And obviously as a parent, you can set the stage for that learning and growth to happen. Yes. But ultimately it really does revolve around them. I think it's, easier to make that distinction when there is um, maybe when a child is making choices that you wouldn't have made, you know, (laughs) (laughs) or, or struggling with things that you never struggled with. And so it, um, it helps us to realize that, you know, a lot of the, those kids just come the way they are and sure. Yeah. (laughs) And there's not much we can do about it. <laughs> yeah, um, that is awesome. So yeah. you mentioned that one of the lessons you learned was this identity shift in your mind. Yeah. Um, what other lessons did you learn through watching your daughter struggle with dyslexia?
0: So I had to, I had to reframe my thoughts and my expectations because before I had expectations that kids read at a very early age and that they reach these benchmarks and that this is what success looks like. And I really had to reframe that where everyone learns at different times and different paces, because in my mind, when she wasn't reading, my mind went to scarcity and lack. And of course I was catastrophizing because I was like, she's never going to get a job. She's never going to, you know, and then it was like, what are people going to think of me? Like it also went off that kind of played off of that scarcity a little bit of Mm -hmm. people are going to judge me that how I run my household, how, what kind of mother I am that your child should be. And so I, I had to grow through all of that again, to separate that and, I had to go through, so when we catastrophize, I always think of it like we're going up a roller coaster, and the scariest part of the roller coaster isn't so much that it's fast, it's always that first ascent, right, like they take you right up to the very top and you kind of hover there before the drop, but its that's the scariest part because you're anticipating this this Death defying drop, right?
1: <laughs> yes.
0: And so when I was catastrophizing, I was just kind of staying in that moment like the world was over and she was never going to succeed in life and that all her chances were gone. And that's where my mind went, which is kind of crazy. But I'm, I had to make myself play out all of those scenarios that my mind wanted to offer because our minds do that a lot of times. We always go to like what ifs, but then mm. we never answer those what ifs. And so I actually made myself answer all of those what ifs. I had to answer every single fear. And I had to get to the bottom that, and really at the bottom of it was she's going to be okay. She's Mm going to be okay. And I'm going to be okay. And there's nothing wrong that says she has to learn at age five or age 20. She can still progress and succeed. And that everyone has their different timetables and their different paces and their different learning journeys. And that it's totally
1: fine. Wow. That is so awesome. I love that you were able to to figure that out. And and it isn't something that you snap your fingers and you learn instantly. I mean, no. I wish, right? <laughs> yes, yes. It's I'm sure this process. took months and maybe even years, right? <laughs> yeah.
0: It was just a matter of every time the fear would come up, I, I really made myself, because the fears are always like, what if? And then I would be like, so what? Like, what if that does happen? And then what? And then I'd make myself answer it, and then it would just calm my fears down like she 's going to be okay, and i 'm going to be okay, and none of this is a reflection of who we really are it 's just a trial it 's just a circumstance, and it 's totally fine that we have this, but hmm. yeah, it was a process every single time, every single you know fear that would come up, it was okay let 's pick a number, let now, now let 's address fear five hundred and twenty eight yeah it was it was a process
1: oh my goodness, that's awesome. So, um, you mentioned also before we, we started the interview that one of the things that you found important during this time was taking care of yourself. Why is that?
0: When I wasn't, so when I was showing up from a lot of fear and lack, it's because I wasn't taking care of myself. I wasn't listening to my fears and my anxiety. And so when I showed up to teach her, to read with her, to be with her, I was projecting all of my fears onto that. It was, it showed up in my neediness to have her read in a certain pace, to understand things, to read the word, because I was, it was really my insecurities coming out through all Mm. that. So when I could take care of myself and when I could answer all those fears and it, our fears, those thoughts are really like a toddler that will not stop. They're very incessant until you acknowledge them and address them. And then, you know, they can go on their merry way. So I really had to get in that space. And then the other thing that was really helpful to me in that journey of being able to take care of myself first is again, I've heard, I'm sure everyone's heard this analogy. If you really can't pour from an empty bucket so mm. I had to give that to myself and it was hard. It was a very difficult journey for me and for her. And I needed to acknowledge that. I wanted other people to acknowledge that. I wanted my husband to come home and understand and be like, whoa, I understand your day was so hard. But his day was hard too. And everyone else's days are hard. And So no one was seeing the struggle that we were you know, tackling every single day and it was eating away at both of us. And so we had to get to a space where – we could see and notice and appreciate ourselves and that we could say that was a really hard time. That, that was a deep struggle today. I am so proud of us for being willing to engage in that wrestle and that struggle for us wanting to go into that and to be able to face that head on. So it looked like taking care of myself and making sure that I showed up with a clean head, that I wasn't bringing any of my mess to her. And then mm-hmm. it also looked like validating and appreciating and noticing all those little things that we want other people to thank us and validate us and give us high fives for and learning to give that to ourselves. It makes such a difference in how you show up.
1: Yeah. So what, what things did you do to fill your bucket?
0: So a lot of it's thought work. Like I said, I really just addressed a lot of times we want to be listened to. We just want to be seen. We want us, you know, we want others to see how hard it is for us and to acknowledge that. Mm -hmm. The problem with that is they can't really give you what you need. You, I'm sure everyone has had times where they might console you or they might try and offer you words that are going to fill you up, but they never say it quite right.
1: Yeah, (laughs) that's true.
0: They they don't know what you need. And I was the only person that knew that. So Mm -hmm. I had to get to a a space where I could offer all that to myself because I knew exactly what I was struggling with. I knew exactly what was hard for me. I knew the effort and the time that I gave into it. And so I could see, and I was the perfect person to give that to myself. And so a lot of my self-care is thought work because our thoughts Mm -hmm. create how we feel. And so if I wanted to feel a certain way, I wanted to feel peaceful and calm and patient and loving, then I had to take care of all of my mess first. And so a lot of that is just me sitting down doing thought work, journaling, and going through and questioning all of those thoughts. Like, is that really true? Is that really going to happen? And so that's what thought work is. Um, Hmm. That's what self-care and filling my bucket looks like.
1: So journaling, addressing the fears and the issues that come up. Is this something that you prayed about at all? Let me ask you that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I heard once it was by Gordon B. Hinckley. They asked him how many times a day, you know, how many times a day he, he prays. And he said only once, because it really is just this all day conversation. It really Mm. was like that for me as well, but it was a constant looking in and and knowing that he knows me and, and what I can offer and what my challenges are and what my limitations are and knows her and exactly what she's struggling with. And so it was a constant conversation of how can we, how can we improve? What can we do better? How can we feel what we need to feel so that we can overcome this and are we supposed to overcome this are you know is my expectation what his expectation is and and can we align mm. our vision so yeah it was a very much a huge portion of all of this that personal revelation and that comfort that you know we got from from his answers and his love and just that the biggest thing through it all, was just this feeling of certainty. Like I wanted to make fears a lot of it because I couldn't see the how, I couldn't see the end of it, but there was always this, this comfort that it was all going to be okay. I just didn't Mm. know how, and I really wanted to know how, but he was just constantly providing that, that assurance that there's light at the end of the tunnel. Like this is a tunnel, it's not a cave. It's going (laughs) to be.
1: Right. And it is that learning to take to trust that God knows how things are going to turn out, and he and and he gives you that peace, like it's going to be okay. But but you're right. Sometimes we're like, but can it be okay, like
0: no. right now? Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was another lesson. That like his time frame is very different than my time frame.
1: <laughs> Darn it! <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! And that is hard. That is hard to be able to say, God, I trust you with this. I trust your timetable. When as mortals, we are really impatient, you know? Yeah.
0: Well, we're working on a finite, you know, timeframe. And that's really what I was, because I was like, at the end of grade two, she should be here at the end of grade three. And that's where I was coming from. But but to God, who's infinite, like there's an abundance of time.
1: Mm. It's all
0: going to work out. It, always does. And so that was hard for me to let go of my finite perspective and to embrace his infinite one, but it was such a blessing. Yeah.
1: Oh, that's fantastic. I love that. Um, and you mentioned one final lesson that you wanted to share. Love is the answer. Tell me about that.
0: We, I truly, truly believe, and I teach that love is always the answer. We show up as our best selves when we're stemming from love because fear and lack and scarcity, they're not encompassed in love. Love is all certainty and hope and surety and just encouragement and all of that. And so when I would show up from love instead of from lack, it just made all the difference and it helped me to stay present And not distracted because when you really truly love whatever that is, your, your, your child or that moment, or you give your whole attention to it, you want to just be with it and be present with it. And so I wasn't distracted with anything else or, you know, wanting to be anywhere else when I was motivated with love by love, it was all about her and what she needed. And as her mother, that I could offer her that, and then also motivated by love with me that I mm. I could let go of the worldly expectations of what things should look like and to really just embody the abundance that, that God offers. So yes, love, love is always the answer. Mm. It feels so good.
1: It's it time. does, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, those are some amazing lessons. Thank you for sharing those. Um, we're going to take a quick break, but when we get back, would you mind talking me through... Um, What encouragement you might give to someone who is in a similar situation? And also, would you mind sharing with me why you decided to become a life coach?
0: Of course, I would love to.
1: Awesome. How many of you out there feel like your life is chaotic, crazy, and completely awful compared to the norm? What if I were to tell you that you... Are normal for you I am so excited to announce that my book normal for me by Tamara K Anderson is now available for purchase on Amazon this book took me 10 years to write and I share 20 years worth of lessons learned in my life detours including being in a car accident and having two of my children diagnosed on the autism spectrum in this book I share the secrets of how I made it from despair to peace with God's help. I also include a bonus Diagnosis Survival Guide at the very end of my Normal For Me book. The Diagnosis Survival Guide includes 12 tips to survive and thrive in tough times. Wouldn't you like to know what those are? So what are you waiting for? Grab your copy of Normal For Me today on Amazon. And we're back. Today, I am visiting with Hannah Coles, and we have been talking about her daughter's diagnosis of dyslexia, and I've been meaning to ask you, Hannah, what tips or encouragement would you give to another family who is facing something similar where a child is struggling to read? What would you say to them?
0: I would say the biggest thing for us at first was just to get tested. Because you can't change anything until you know what you're dealing with. And since there's so many different forms of dyslexia, it's really hard to even help your child to know what, like, it's hard to even see what they're seeing. So I, I would say get tested. I would say learn as much as you can about it. And then the biggest thing I think for me was learning to show up from a place of curiosity instead of fear or or judgment, Mm. um, was, was really huge.
1: So curiosity is important. And, and I think that once you learn about something, the fear is lessened. Don't you yeah.
0: think? Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: Because you know it versus you just being afraid of the unknown. And, and we are afraid of the unknown. Right. So I think that's important. Get that diagnosis and, and find out as much as you can. I love that yeah. curiosity. That's that's good. What else would you say?
0: So one thing that that I follow in my own personal life and I teach is is the three C's. It's kind of the three C's to, to be able to understand and, and come to um, where you want to be within these relationships and, and with my daughter and then what she was struggling with. And it's really easy to remember because there are three C's. So it's just curiosity, compassion, and charity. So when I was showing up with with what her struggles were, originally it was fear. It was like, Oh my gosh, you know, she's doomed. This isn't going to work out. And so that was fear. Whereas instead now when she's struggling with something or, or when any of my children are, I just start to ask questions. What am I missing? I wonder why they're acting that way. I wonder why they're struggling with this. Now, curiosity, the more you sit with it and the more you allow yourself to be curious it always leads to compassion because when I finally had answers, that curiosity led to getting tested and then learning that like half the word was gone half the time, you know, a lot of the time, it was like, no wonder she's struggling, poor thing. And here I was being frustrated. So that's why I say that curiosity leads to compassion because now we mm. finally, we can like empathize. We can put ourselves in or sympathize, put ourselves in their shoes a little bit and, and it, that compassion always leads to love. I say charity because charity is the pure love of Christ. Mm-hmm. And so that compassion always just leads into love, which again, has you showing up as your best self that you're proud of showing up for, that it feels good to you. And that is best for what others need. So curiosity leads to compassion, which always leads to charity.
1: Wow. That is awesome. I love that. The three C's. We will for sure have to write these things down in the show notes (laughs) so people can remember (laughs) what these fantastic three C's are. So speaking of uh, life coach, what what made you decide to become a life coach? Tell me that story.
0: Yeah, I would love to. I really found life coaching again by divine design. Heavenly Father's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) So I found life coaching at a time I wasn't looking for it. I didn't know what a life coach was. I had never even heard of that term, but I was really struggling inside. A lot of, um, a lot of feelings of inadequacy and lack and maybe feeling like I'm not good enough. And a lot of that stemmed from my children and, and having an identity shift and all of that. Like on the outside, things still looked perfect. Or I don't want to say perfect. That's, I don't know what people thought, but it looked put together. Right. Let me say that. Mm-hmm. Everything looked good. We had a you know great family, great home, talents, you know all of those things and we put on smiles and so on the outside, things looked really good but on the inside, I was just kind of a mess. So one of my good friends who lives in Arkansas, she, had, she drives about an hour to work every day and she would tell me about these podcasts that she's listening to and I didn't know what a podcast was. <laughs> at the time I was like, what spaciness are you talking about? Like, uh, anyway, just,
1: uh-huh. so
0: she, she hounded me for a week. She was like, you need to download the podcast app. And finally she took a screenshot of it and said, this is what it looks like. <laughs> put this on your phone, go find it. So I did it just to appease her. And I just typed in certain things that I was interested, in, you know, homeschooling and motherhood. I don't remember exactly what I put in there, but it was things that really resonated with me at the time. And one of the top podcasts that came up was the life coach school with Brooke Castillo. So I started listening to her. And at first she was like, I am a life coach. And I was like, what is, a-
1: <laughs> what is that?
0: Cause it sounded hokey. I didn't know what it was, but by the end of the episode I was sold and I was like, Oh my gosh, where has this been all my life? Cause I didn't know that the things that I was struggling with was optional. Like Mm -hmm. I thought that that was just the cards that I was dealt in life. And that's just what I had to deal with. And I had to struggle through it, but I didn't realize how much of that I was making into a huge problem that I was interpreting the circumstances a negative into a negative light. So I did my own study. I did my own application. I did my own journey through that. And really it transformed my life. And so I knew that everyone needs us. Like, I didn't know what this was and it transformed my life and how much better we would all be if we had these tools, if we knew that it was optional, that we didn't have to suffer, that we can experience these things and really choose how we wanted to feel through all of this and how we wanted to interpret all of the circumstances in our life. And so that's that was really when I knew that this was what I needed to do and what I wanted to do. And so I'm very passionate about it. I work with, hundreds of women from all, it's such a blessing technology these days that we Mm. meet this way and, and talk to people at different time zones. But at the core root of, of all of it was really that deep down fear of, am I enough? You know? And so that's really what I get to speak to. And I, I love, love, love this work. I love being a life coach.
1: Oh, that's fantastic. So it sounds like you made the shift from being insecure and afraid to be confident and almost like you could choose your path is yeah. is that a correct summary
0: yes i can i don't want to say the correct path but i i think um the correct experience Ooh. because we don't get to choose the circumstances in life like we still i don't get to choose that my daughter has dyslexia but i can choose how i want to interpret that i can make that a problem or i can make that just Part of life, and it doesn't have to be a problem unless I choose to make it a problem. Mm. And then, depending on what I'm thinking about it, of course, that creates how I feel. Like when it's not a problem, it's not a problem. I don't make it, you know, a struggle. And so that was huge for me. Like I said, there we have circumstances in life, but we get to choose how we experience them.
1: Mm. I love that. That is powerful. And what an amazing work that you're doing. That just sounds fantastic. The lives that you can impact because you made a change first right yeah, i know
0: i needed i needed everything all, every struggle every tear i needed all of that to get me to the point where i was ready like i was a vessel that i that could hold this next portion of my life so i'm i'm really grateful for all of it that you can count it all as joy
1: mm that's awesome. I know I I think I look I look back on on my struggles the same way now, but I tell you what, at the time it was not joy.
0: Oh yeah. no, 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 no. It was just pain, struggle, not fun, no.
1: So I guess the message there is if you are struggling, it will not always be that way.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think, I know Heavenly Father will always find a way to make it work towards your good. Mm. So there's always hope.
1: That's awesome. Do you have a favorite Bible verse that's, that has resonated with you through all of your ups and downs?
0: Yes, I do. I have several.
1: Hey, <laughs> and they there change you go. different
0: seasons in your life, but this one, this is right? pretty much my, yeah, this one's my consistent one. It's from second Timothy and it's, second Timothy one, seven, that says for God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And I, it's been such an anchor for me because anytime that I'm fearing or I'm afraid, I have to realize that that's not from God because God doesn't give us that. He gives us power, power to overcome our struggles and our challenges. He gives us love so that we can be filled with that whole warm, deep feeling and a sound mind, which I interpret as, as peace. We don't Mm. have to, to, to struggle. We don't have to create more of a struggle than there needs to be, that we can be filled with power, love, and and peace. It's, it's huge.
1: Yeah. Are these things that, um, you say to yourself, like, do you do affirmations and remind yourself of that, you have power, love and peace in yourself or or how were you best able to internalize those things
0: There's a lot of ways that you can can incorporate that and everything that you want to learn has to come from a form of practice like everything we do is practicing including the thoughts that we choose to think So I actually have an app on my phone with this scripture that pops up five different times a day
1: and really so when I see
0: that yes it's been so good because then it, it helps me to, to focus and I'm like oh yeah. And if my thoughts are kind of trailing off in a direction, I'm like, that's right. And then I can reframe and I can refocus and then I can, can stay in line with my focus and where I, where I want to go. Wow.
1: So I don't derail too far. Right, <laughs> Maybe I right. need it more,
0: but five is good right now.
1: <laughs> five is fantastic. Okay. You have to share what app that is because I know there's somebody other than me going, how do I do that on my phone?
0: <laughs> yes. It was a free app. It's just called Ponderize. So the gist behind that was in the scriptures, a lot of times it tells us that we need to ponder, which denotes more than just thinking about it, but really sitting with it. And then the rest of it arise is uh, like memorizing. So you oh. get to ponderize. You get to ponder it at the same time you're practicing it and memorize it and thinking it. So, so yeah, the app is Ponderize. Go find cool. it because it's, and you can set up your own how many times a day you want and what scripture you want. But it's been, it's been awesome for me.
1: Oh, I love that. And that way you are remembering what you want God's message to you to be several times a day. Okay. I'm totally doing that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. So what other resources besides your fantastic Ponderize app um, would you share with people? Do you have any books that are favorite books or, or, or what, what resources would you share with us?
0: Yes, so many. So books. I love, obviously, I love books and reading. Right? Yes, it's just a, another perspective and expert advice. One of my favorite, favorite books, which is a huge resource, no matter what journey people are on or what they're struggling with or what their trial is right now, was the book Mindset by Dr. Carol Dweck. She, she's incredible. She is a professor, was a professor over at Stanford. She taught um, psychology there for many years at Stanford university. And so she's really the, the genius behind the growth mindset, fixed mindset concept. Mm -hmm. And I had learned that in school that the fixed mindset is, you know, I can't do this. And the growth mindset is I'm going to figure out how But in this book, she goes into great depth in how this shows up in different aspects of my life and in my kid's life and in my, you know, just my circle so that I can just start noticing the thought pattern that I'm thinking and where I'm coming from. And also that, again, there's a way out and a way up. Like if I can't figure this out, you know, how many times have I tried? And it's always just it's future focused. It's there's always a way everything is figure outable. I love what Audrey Hepburn says where nothing is impossible. She says the word itself says I'm possible.
1: Oh so, my gosh. I love that. Isn't
0: that good? I love Audrey Hepburn. So yes, if you have not read Mindset, like I again, no matter what age, season, circumstance, situation, background, this book will change your life. It's so good.
1: Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm totally going to have to read that too. <laughs> Even though it's not a fantasy book, which is my favorite genre, but um, I will read Mindset. <laughs> and we will put links to these in the show notes for sure so that uh, those of you who are driving or doing laundry or something like that can, can keep doing what you're doing and still find these resources in the show notes. Um, Hannah, before we go, is there a way that people can reach out and contact you if they if something you have said has just really resonated with them? How how do we get a hold of you? How do we find you?
0: Yeah, of course. So I have a, a website. Of course, they can come and check that out, which is um com. Don't forget the ing. I have a podcast that offers free life coaching resources. So if there was a concept that they want to hear more, they can, they can dive, you know, a little deeper with that. And of course I'm on social media, I'm on Instagram and Facebook that I would love to, to connect and, and hear what people have to say and what they think and answer questions. So I love connecting with people. People are awesome.
1: That is fantastic. And on Facebook, you're Hannah Coles and on Instagram, you're the catalyst coach, right? Yep,
0: that's right.
1: Very good. We will put that in the show notes as well. Well, Hannah, this has been so fun to sit and visit and chat. Are there any final tips you want to share with uh, us before we go?
0: Yeah, I would just say that there's always hope. There's always light. There's always, everything is outable. Even if it feels like it's dark and it's heavy and what the trial is, there is light. We just have to find it. It's, it's just like, failure, that we think that failure is the end, that I failed, but failure is just information. It's just like, okay, that didn't work. And now what? There's always a now what? There's always progression. So I would just say, hang in there, invite God into every aspect, have that one prayer all day long and just keep talking to him and invite that personal revelation and and just keep going, keep on keeping on. You can do this.
1: That's That is a perfect way to end. Thank you, Hannah, for sharing your amazing wisdom with us today. This has been so much fun.
0: It has been. Thanks for having me. I loved this.
1: Hey, thanks so much for listening to today's show. I know that there are many of you out there that are going through a hard time, and I hope you found things that have been useful today as you listen to the podcast. If you would like to access the show notes from today's podcast, visit my website. It is storiesofhopepodcast.com. That is where you'll find favorite quotes from today's episode and shareable memes. And those are fun because you can share them with your friends on social media. You will also find the links mentioned throughout today's episode so you don't have to remember what those were. And also all the tips that were shared. Sometimes tips are shared so much throughout an episode you forget what were those great things? So go to the show notes, storiesofhopepodcast.com to look up these fantastic resources. You know, if someone kept coming to mind during today's episode, perhaps that means that you should share this with them. Maybe there was a story shared or a tip that they really, really need to hear. So go ahead and share this episode with them. May God bless you, especially if you are struggling with hope to carry on and with the strength to keep going when things get tough. Remember to walk with Christ and he will help bear that burden. Above all else, remember God loves you.